The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And I have a very interesting guest with me. Her name is Linda Linda Yellen. And welcome, Linda. Hi, how are you? Yeah, nice to have you on the show. Thank you so Um, much. You are basically a writer, and your books, you've written a lot of, a lot of books. The one we're talking about today is What Nora Knew, but you've written The Last Blind Date, and you've written Such a Lovely Couple. That one was a memoir, and then there was a novel before that, Such a Lovely Couple. So the first one was about my first husband, and then the memoir was about my second husband. Mm. And I had a husband, so I um, wrote about Nora Ephron. Right. And then your name was different as a child. Right, and you right. and when you and your bio is very interesting because it shows you at different stages, different ages, and different stages, and different names, doing different right. things. I started from... out as Jacobson, and then uh, my folks were divorced. It wasn't even fashionable at the time they were divorced, and I got adopted by my stepdad. So I went to Yellen, and then from there I got married the first time. Went to Cadwell went back to Yellen, and then when I married this time, I had changed names way too many times, so I didn't go to Arthur. <laughs> so you've had, had a lot of... on towels. Well, you've had a lot of experiences that have helped you to write. write. So you are... Your work is as a writer and as, an, as a fiction writer, correct? Except for well, the I memoir. Out, most of my writing career was in advertising. And then, um, but I write uh, for more magazine. I do a lot of articles for them, which helped in writing this book because the heroine of this book also happens to be a writer journalist for an online magazine, and she's had many of the same assignments that I've had. And that journalist is Molly Halberg. Right. Okay. Now... One of the things, your whole book is called What Nora Knew, and it's about Nora Ephron. Right. Tell us Her about Nora. For those the people, right. For those people who don't know about Nora, she's very famous. She's done many plays. Tell us about her. Oh, she's probably the most modern writer of sophisticated, witty, romantic comedies and essays. You know, she died just last year in June. And I remember uh, Oh, yeah, it was both shocking and upsetting. 
Um, and her Had writing, you ever met her? No, but we actually lived in the same building my first year in New York, and I never ran into her. So <laughs> we, and it's one of those courtyard buildings where people, you know, unload their groceries and walk their dogs, and I never ran into her. And so. she has written Sleepless in Seattle, right? When, when Harry Met Sally, You've Got Mail, Julie and, and Julia. Right. Unbelievable. Silkwood, Bewitched. I mean, the list goes on. Right. Well, Silkwood was a totally different um, feeling. That's one you don't want to watch because Meryl Streep dies in it. It's sad. But the rest are, you know, upbeat and funny. So, And you love the characters. Uh, The three main ones all starred Meg Ryan. And when Harry Met Sally had Billy Crystal in it. Mm. And then the other two had Tom Hanks. So they were just, you know, they're like the friends, friends who are having their romances up on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And her latest book again was? Um, the list, I Remember Nothing. That was her last book of essays. Very interesting. And she was a very, very famous filmmaker, director, producer, screenwriter. And so yes. this book, What Nora Knew, is it's um, a, it's a, 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 a and kind of an essay on her philosophy. Um, what, what Nora knew? Yes. Well, it's a novel, and it's about a character who is assigned to write about romance in the style of Nora Ephron. And she's cynical herself because she's gone through a divorce from a divorce lawyer, and she um, flunks out on the assignment. She's not capable of doing it partially because no one can write like Nora Ephron and mainly because she also can't tune into romance and be open to it. So she ends up using Nora's movies to learn about romance and be much more open to it. And the book reflects one of Nora's movies where you see all these uh, references to it. And there are things that Nora always had in her movies, like there would be a safe boyfriend, which would be either uh, Greg Kinnear or Bill Pullman, who are interchangeable. Mm. And um, Molly Hallberg has one of those, too. And she also has her own version of Tom Hanks, the guy who we know she should be with, but she hasn't figured that out yet. So do you think there's a, um, a lesson here? Do you think there's a, a, a lesson, a positive lesson for listeners Yes, I think it's in taking a message, risk. Message, message. Message yes. and lesson. Right, taking a risk for love. Because that's one thing that was very common in Nora's movies. You always see someone put their heart on the line for love. It's like giving up the safe boyfriend who you know will be there for you. Mm. So you can take a risk and see if the one that you probably should be with will work out, even though you don't have that guarantee. There's a scene in um, Sleepless in Seattle where it's Valentine's Day and Meg Ryan is with her fiancé, who's like a perfectly reasonable, nice guy, and she breaks it off with him so she can go running over to the Empire State Building in case Tom Hanks, who she's never met, will be there that night. I mean, that's really, that's taking a big risk. 
but to root for I'm not That's sure. What. I'm not sure the dating coaches. I do a radio show on dating. I'm not sure the dating coaches would agree with that philosophy. Linda. <laughs> oh, I don't know if a lot of people would. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a great idea, but she does it, you know. And of course, within the context, we know it's the right thing for her to be doing, you know. So it's the idea of: Do you go for safe or do you go for love? Why did you choose this topic? I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Why did you choose this topic? This topic? Um, Because personally, I think the idea of taking a risk for love is, it's compelling to me. And you've done that in your own life. I've done that in my life. I moved to New York for uh, love and marriage, so I related to that. And yes, uh, I had... uh, you know, my home, my friends, my family in Chicago, and I uh, headed off to New York, and I'm glad I did. It was worth doing. So, yes, there's a part of taking a risk and doing that that um, speaks to me. What do you look for when you write a novel? I mean, what, what do you, do you have a particular vision or message? Do all, if I looked at all of your books, would I see a Linda Yellen thread? Uh, Linda Young. Well, it's usually about relationships and someone who's going to be feisty and keep going despite the odds and do it with mm. a sense of humor. You know, I think you mm. always have to have a sense of humor about it. And most things are going to have some, something funny about them. There always is. And you need that. So it'll be someone you're going to root for and uh, hope they figure it out and get there, which is what I think plays back to Nora's stories. Hmm. And your other books that you've written, one you said was a memoir. Right. That's actually about my moving from Chicago to New York, The Last Blind Date. Hmm. And uh, the whole starting over and with a life that someone said it was like I'd gone into the Federal Witness Protection Program Mm. because there have been so many changes. (laughs) Were you always a writer? Um, I I always wrote, you know, even as a kid, Mm. I always wrote. Now, there's part of me that thinks um, or wonders what would have happened if I had gone and tried to write novels for a living when I was in my 20s versus going into advertising and getting a paycheck. So that's Mm. a risk I didn't take. Well, you know, I want to say something about this. And that is that writing novels is not an easy thing to get published. No. Non-fiction is, is much more difficult than non-fiction. Where do you think your success lays or lies with writing fiction? Why have your novels worked where others may not have? Oh, you know, so much of it is luck. Because I've been in writing groups for years, and there are some incredibly talented people who should be having their books published. And they aren't published. And for me, I think so much of it, um, I just see it as a a blessing. And Mm. then, you know, because I guess one does well, so then you get to sell another. I think that's what every writer hopes for, that you get the type of response where you can keep doing what you love doing. Hmm. So, no, I'm, I'm what grateful suggestions for that. And do writing have... for the magazines also helps, too. because that's, I was going to um, ask you that. What do you, what's your suggestions for people who want to be writers or are writing? 
All right, I'll say get into a writing group because it'll help you feel like a writer and mm-hmm. um, put yourself in that community. So I had to go from being an advertising person who wanted to write to a writer who happened to work in advertising. And mm-hmm. it's a great support. I actually feel having moved to New York and having to start over making friends, which was a challenge I had totally underestimated. Uh, had I realized it sooner, I'd say to anyone who makes a move to a new city, get into a writing group because people mm-hmm. put their hearts on the lines and it's an incredible way to connect with each other. Um, and really get to know people fast, because every week you're reading about their lives. So um, I'd start there and have that support system. And then you have to read. You have to read all the time, because it just immerses you in that world. And uh, you get inspired by it. I mean, how lucky to have millions of books to be able to read to help you learn to write. Mm. You know, speaking of that, I'm going to ask you about a series that's very popular because you've written fiction to get your opinion. Yeah. Downton Abbey. Yes. Which has I just taken the country by storm. Did you see it last night? I did. Okay. It's on my TiVo. I'm looking forward why, to it. Why has that been so amazingly popular and riveting? You know, I think it's always about characters. I mean, that, it's, mm. it gets down to basic storytelling and that's what's so important in writing. You know, there's writing that could be beautiful. These sentences. interesting characters, that's very true. Oh, yeah. I mean, you start caring about them, you know, and it, that makes We all miss Matthew, right? And once mm-hmm. you care about the characters, um, you're going to move right into it and in the story. So that's the best part of a show like that, where you really get to know everyone and you get caught up. There have been so many shows like that now where you start watching um, what I just heard the term binge viewing when you go through, uh, you know, 12 episodes yeah. all at once. I just did that with Friday Night Lights, five years of Friday Night Lights. And oh, wow. It's, it's wonderful. And so I, Downton I Abbey thought what was interesting with Downton Abbey when you said that just now is that the character, and I'm not giving it away because it's already happened, but... The character, Mary Crawley, who loses her husband. Yeah. You know, the first half, probably the first hour, they set this up where she's just grieving. Doesn't want to talk. People give her pep talk. She doesn't want to hear anything. And then there's a shift in something that opens up a light for her in terms of what she's going to do to help Downton Abbey. And you see, by the end of the two hours, you see a different Mary. You see this character now has come out of her shell. She's realizing she has to move on with her life. And you're watching her be productive. And it's very fascinating. That fascinated me was to watch the way they took that character in the beginning of the two hours to the end of the two hours. Very different. Very different behavior. Well, they probably want to move the story along, too, versus watching her just be very sad. And she has a baby, too, right? So mm-hmm. she's got to take care of the baby. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's, I'm glad to hear that. How's Bates doing, by the way? I think, I think they're both doing very well in, in, the, um, <laughs> in the story. Okay, good. So, <laughs> Bates the so butler. Linda, we all want to have a Bates, don't we? <laughs> Wouldn't that be yes, nice? wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to go back here to your book, What Nora Knew. This is your latest book, correct? 
Yes, it's actually um, out January 21st. So it's not out yet. Right, two weeks to go. We're in the countdown. It's funny, when you Mm -hmm. sell a book, it's such a long process before it actually comes out that it's like I'm waking up now going, oh, it's actually going to be out this month. Mm. It's a slow process. What's your favorite part of the book? Of your book? um, Oh, there'd be two parts. There's a relationship between Molly and the coworker who sits on the other side of a cubicle and they have this sort of competitive snarky relationship where they pop up and down on either side of that low wall um, making comments to each other and it was really fun to write and we probably all worked next to that person and then the other part was doing the relationship between Molly and Cameron, the, her Tom Hanks, the man we know she'll end up with, because mm-hmm. it's a type of sparring where it's flirting at the same time. It's a little hostile because they haven't quite realized they should be together. Mm-hmm. And that's fun to do. We yeah. all want our Tom Hanks. So you think that, let me ask you this, do you think there should be a certain amount of tension in a romantic relationship, or and do you think that lasts? What do you think? I think there should be flirting in a romantic relationship um, and admiration for each other. Let's see, tension's an interesting word to look at it. Um, not tension as far as anger or dislike. You really have to be each other's best friend. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you really do. Um, one of the things I find happens a lot when discussing relationships with someone is you, I find myself saying, well, you want to be the lover, not the mother. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when someone's trying to fix someone or is upset about something, um, I think we always have to remember um, that we're coming at it from an even playing field. So, boy, tension, hmm, excitement, but not tension. How's that? Mm-hmm. Because there are times when relationships start as just friendships or a lover situation where two people decide that they may not be for each other, but they enjoy each other physically. I think that's a harder one to maintain. But I'm fascinated by people who start out as friends and have long-term friendships and then actually become lovers. Because one, it's a risk. Because if it doesn't go well, you probably can't go back to the friendship that you value. And two, I always wonder, like, what's that moment when someone's been your pal and now you and just look at sudden, them differently? Yeah. What about the other way? Do you think that can work? You know, where two people are attracted to each other, but one of them feels that it just wouldn't be the right match. But they enjoy each other in a lover capacity. What's your feeling well, about that? Well, benefits then, right? So um, I, I guess don't know if, if that's what you call it. Maybe. Um, if, you're both, if you both understand that that's the deal, that's the understanding that this is going to be fun physically, what would be hard is if one person falls in love with the other or is, uh, wants more out of the relationship than the other one does. Whatever the circumstances, that's never good, is it? So. Unless one of unless it changes, but I don't know if that can change. No, it's probably specific to the um, circumstances of each couple. 
In other words, can the person who didn't think it could work all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, I really do care for this person? Just like friends wake up and now want to be lovers, can lovers wake up and say, oh, maybe we really want to make this? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I would, something. I would certainly think so. In the history of romance and love, that has had to have happened. <laughs> oh, very interesting. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right. So. so, Linda, what would you like to leave us with today in terms of your message, um, why you write, why you believe so much in what you do, and you obviously love what you do. That comes across so strongly in this interview. Well, I do like that it's a positive love story. I mean, yep. everyone in the book does end up happy. And, and I that's what my work is about. I don't think, um, I don't think you should uh, sacrifice being really happy. It's important. And you have to go for it. You don't go for necessarily the comfortable, safe relationship. You have to hold out for the big love of your life mm-hmm. because... Um, mm-hmm. Now, would, that, would the dating group not agree with that? <laughs> no, actually, it's very interesting, and I'm happy to share this with you on the air. It's funny you'd say that. I am single, and I have three radio shows, actually four, and one of them is called Positive Dating. And one of the things I've done is work with a dating coach who actually, if there's one thing I've learned from her, she has said, you, you believe and you look for big love. Oh, not love for that. settling, not for settling, but for big love. So are you going to do that, Patricia? I am doing it. Okay. No, I think, I think that's really Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have other things along the way. Of course. But you have, all right, you have friends to go have dinner with. You have friends to go to a movie with. You know, you have to ask, what is it that you really want out of a big love relationship? And that's something special. You know, that's that right. you can't necessarily replace with one of your buddies. So you got to yeah. go for it. You have to wake up every morning and be so happy that that person is coming is right next to you there. And you have to love seeing the world through their eyes and even more importantly, probably love seeing yourself through their eyes. Gee, so that's so I, beautifully said. And do you have that in your marriage? I am so lucky. <laughs> I, I really am lucky. And... um you know, for the longest time, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm not, just not going to meet someone. It's just not going to happen. Um, don't you think, like, dating, you know, really fast on a date? I, I never went so. speed dating, but there's a part of me that thinks it probably works because you do know in five minutes sometime, like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't working. But I was really lucky. I was fixed up by uh, friends who lived in California. I lived in Chicago. Randy was in New York. So we were a long-distance romance for uh, over two years. And then um, I moved to New York for love and marriage. So it was really good. And so much of it is luck, though. It really is. Are you online? Are you doing uh, I am. Dating? I am. And I really am thrilled that, um, that you came on the show today, Linda, to talk about this book, What Nora Knew. How can people find it? Um, well, it'll be in the bookstores on the 21st and Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble online and independent bookstores. We love our independent bookstores. We so have to support them. Got to keep yes. them all in business. That's and your so opinion, your, again, your advice to writers is keep writing. Tell your stories. Yes, tell your stories. Tell your stories. 
Right. All right. The world loves stories. We want to hear stories. It's yeah. a wonderful thing. Just talking about that this morning with a business consultant about the, the art of the story. Thanks so much, Linda. Stay on the line Thank for a minute. You. It was a joy what to a have pleasure. you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, and hold find on. That Stay. worthy man. <laughs> Stay on the line for a minute. All okay. right, folks, this closes this version of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Right here on Voice America, America's Voice, go to my website, patriciaraskin.com, and learn about my other programs. I'll be with you next week right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.